Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Well, my family and I, we were just on vacation last week, and I want to thank Mitch for killing it last Sunday. He did a great job. Uh, but we were at Disney World, and it was, man, it was awesome. It was just so refreshing and relaxing. Well, I don't know if Disney World is relaxing, but it was definitely refreshing. Got a picture of our family uh, on one of the, I think this was the first day, right in front of the Magic Kingdom with all of our brand new hats on. That's us. Looking all, look how happy we are. There's like, we're exuding joy. Anybody ever been to Disney World or Disney? land like you know that feeling you first walk in the park you just exude joy and we're walking around and we're smiling and laughing and I mean just having a great time pretty much all the time and our faces were pretty much like that what you see in the picture with with a few minor exceptions now every once in a while we would get on a ride that was a little more intense than others uh, and and, and let me bring up a picture here of one of the rides we went on. This is a picture of us on Splash Mountain, which, I mean, it's not that intense of a ride, but for my kids, it, it can be, feel particularly intense, especially my daughter Cameron. I want to highlight that. Go ahead and bring up this next one. Let's take a look at my daughter Cameron. Okay, so what you have to know is that is her expression Every intense, scary ride. Every one. We were on the Haunted Mansion ride, which is a super slow ride, and it's kind of in a little spooky environment, but we'd already been on it twice, I think. And we're on the Haunted Mansion ride, and we're slowly going through, and I'm in the car with Calvin and Trinity, and Terry and Cameron are in the car behind us, and I'm like, guys, watch this. I'm going to scream, and I'm going to scare Cameron. And so we just wait till a really dark, quiet moment, and I'm like, ah! And you hear Cameron going, ah! Which is fun. I mean, that's, that's just fun for me. <laughs> that's a lot of fun for me. So we had, a, we had a really great vacation. Disney World, for us, it just like seeps into us. You know, it's just it's this experience of life. And, and we've been saving for, for a, a year. I mean, we've just been putting stuff away for this trip for a year. You've got to plan it way in advance for us if you want to afford it. And so we've just been planning and thinking about it. And getting there was just walking in. It was just this experience of, ah, oh, just joy and happiness and delight. And one of the things that I always take away, anytime I'm at any sort of Disney environment, one of the things I always take away is I think about how different a life Walt Disney lived. Like this guy, he just thought about things differently. He saw the world differently than other people saw it. He, he dreamed in different ways than other people. He, he just lived a different life. And I mean, literally. I mean, I know that like we're talking about like, you know, rides and stuff like that. But if you think about the impact of Disney on the world, I mean, Walt Disney literally changed the world. And I don't know about you, but I want to live a life like that. I want to live a life that's significant. I want to live a life that makes a difference, that like people can go, man, Chris Chandra, look at, if you think about his life, he made an impact. He didn't just live an average life, but his life was great. His life was different. Jesus, he lived a life like that 2,000 years ago, right? He lived 2,000 years ago, and yet still today, people are quoting him. Right? They're telling stories about him. They're repeating stories that he told. And I'm not even talking about, like, church people or Christians. I mean, people know who Jesus is. They quote stories that he told. They, they quote his sayings all the time. It's crazy the impact that Jesus' life had. And here's what else is crazy. In our world, the three major religions, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, all, like, have this claim to Jesus. 
at least. And, and if not for the major three, like almost all major religions put Jesus in this high level of respect. They, they look at Jesus with respect and, and they, want, they want to claim him kind of as their own. Jesus lived a very different life. I mean, he was a different guy. And I guess what we're starting today is a brand new message series called Different because I want, to ask, I want us to ask ourselves this question. And that question is, what would it look like if we could live lives that were different than everyone else around us? What would it look like if we lived lives that were different than our neighbors, different than our coworkers, different than the people we went to school with? What would it look like if we lived lives that were so different that they were more satisfying, more fulfilling, healthier, healthier lives, just lives that were different than everyone else around us? And starting off with this message series called Different, what we wanna do is we wanna help you think different so you can be different so that you can make a difference. I want all of us to be able to think different so that we can be different, so that the lives we live can make a huge difference in our world. So that's what we're talking about and starting off today. And, and, and what I wanna talk about today specifically is a quality that Jesus had that made him different than everyone else that he was around. It was, it's a quality that Jesus had that I think that if we had, and a quality that if we could develop in our lives could change so much about the way we live, it could change our relationships, it could change how we interact with the world and view the world. And that thing I wanna talk about today is one little word, and that's joy. Joy. Jesus had joy. What was interesting, if you read the New Testament, if you read the gospel accounts of the life of Jesus, one thing that stuck out about Jesus is that Jesus was, Jesus was a, a happy guy. Jesus had joy. Jesus was, was kind of funny. I mean, you can, you can look at some of the stories of Jesus and his interactions with people. Jesus was kind of sarcastic sometimes. Jesus told jokes. Jesus told stories that were unexpected that made people laugh and captured their attention. It was just kind of the way he was. I mean, one time that Jesus got really mad at his disciples was a time where the disciples were keeping little kids from coming up to Jesus and playing with them because they just wanted to get to Jesus. Now, I don't know about your kids, but my kids, they know someone's fun or not. And if someone's fun, they want to hang out with them. And if someone is not fun, they don't. And those kids wanted to hang out with Jesus. Jesus was fun. Jesus was joyful. It was a difference that existed in his life. And, and if you read the gospel accounts, you know this about Jesus and his life, is people who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. People who didn't think or believe or, or live the way that Jesus lived still liked Jesus and wanted to be around him and wanted to hang out with him. Why? Because Jesus had this quality about him. It was, it was, it was a joy. It was a, a happiness. It was an energy. It was this, an, an attractiveness. And, and I want to be joyful like that. And I think, realistically, I think we all want to be joyful like that. I mean, wouldn't you say that, like, when you wake up in the morning, you want to feel joy? You want to feel that sense of joy in your life? It's why, we, it's why we do things like going to Disney World. We go to the happiest place on earth. Why? It's because I need a vacation, and if I go there, it'll just elevate my joy. If I can just get away, if I can get onto my boat for the weekend, I can just have some joy. If I can just go camping, I can elevate things, and I can just feel some joy. You know what I mean? When I'm there, I'm experiencing joy. It's, it's also why we try to move up in our careers, get that promotion, make more money. If I can advance in my career, I'll... It'll make me happy. If I make more money, I can experience joy. And then when I make more money, I can, I can drive the car that I've always wanted to drive. Why do we want that car that we've always wanted to drive? Because if we do, it'll just give us joy. Man, I've, I, don't, 
I've never driven one. I don't know what the deals with them. I just think they're so cool looking. I want to drive a Dodge Challenger. I think they're super cool looking. And the whole reason is I think when I get behind the wheel, I'm going to look super dope, and it's going to make me feel joy. It's going to make me feel better. It's why, it's why guys like me wear toupees sometimes, because it's like I'll feel joy if I can just cover that up and look like I did when I was 25, right? Joy, we all want it. It's why we it's why we work so hard to buy that house. Like just, if I can just have that house with the yard and the bedrooms and the dining area where I can host people, if I can just have that, I'll be happy. I'll joy. If I can curate my social media presence in just the right way and I can present myself to the world where they perceive me in the way that I want the world to perceive me, it will make me happy and I will have joy. We all understand this pursuit of happiness and this pursuit of joy. And here's the thing, none of those things are bad. Those things are all good. And the reason they're good is because they make us feel good. They do give us, I mean, if we're being totally honest with ourselves, the reason we pursue those things is that they make us feel good. But if we're still being honest with ourselves, then we have to admit that that feeling of joy that we get when we accomplish a goal, when we buy the car, when we buy the house, we get the promotion, when we date the guy, when we get those things, if we're being honest with ourselves, that joy is temporary. It doesn't last, right? You feel it, but it doesn't stick. And I got a perfect example. Like, literally today, I want to just talk to you about joy. And I'm going to talk to you about, like, my reflections on joy through the lenses my Disney World experience, okay? And so one of the things that I noticed at Disney World is that there are lots of parents with lots of little children. And now here's the thing. My kids are older. They're all teenagers right now. And, and so, like, our experience is very different than theirs. And I know this. Disney's the happiest place on earth, right? That's what it's called. It's the happiest place on earth. And so parents want to bring their kids when they're little and their babies and push them in their strollers up in. And it's like that's that feeling when your baby first sees Mickey Mouse and lights up and smiles. It's like, oh, my gosh. I could never, I could never reproduce that. It's incredible. And, oh, that feeling of joy. It's the happiest place on earth. And we, they want their little children to experience it. But can I tell you that I have never, you will never see a feeling of rage, regret, and desperation mixed up on a person's face like you will see on the face of a parent of toddlers at Disney World, okay? You will never see it because here's what happens. They, they bring the stroller up, they get off the bus, and I mean, the bus is a little frustrating because you got to pack the stroller up and you got to hold the kids on your lap, and the kids want to get there, and they're being a little loud and obnoxious, but it's cute, and everyone's like, oh, what a cute baby, isn't that nice? Oh, it's Disney World, and then you get them up there, and, and then you get the stroller out, you wrestle out of the bus, and you push them up to the park, and you walk through the entrance, and it's like, oh castle and then you, you you walk up front and there's the photographers and you stop and you're beginning of the park and I showed you ours right you see that you get that beautiful picture and you're holding your precious baby and they're just like one years old and then you got your three-year-old down here and they're just jumping because they're so excited and you get this beautiful perfect picture of you in front of the castle and then like three hours later, all you can think to yourself is that that was literally the most expensive picture that I will ever pay for in my life that my children will not remember anything about. Because as they're pushing their kids in the strollers, it's getting hotter and hotter. And as you're waiting in line to get on the ride, it's boring and it's long and the kids just want to run around. They just want to play and they got a dirty diaper and they're whiny and they're crying and they're sweaty. And like you're good for an hour and a half. You've got this beautiful hour and a half, 90 minutes of just bliss followed by 12 hours of just a constant punch in the face. 
And I'll be, like, the people clapping, like, I took my kid to Disney World when they were toddlers, and I thought it was going to be great, and I hate them now. <laughs> and you just see on the face of parents with toddlers, just it, it looks like a smile, but it's a grimace. It's just, it's painted on, it's plastered. And on the outside, they're pushing their child, and their child's kind of screaming and kicking, and they're just ignoring it, going, oh, it's a small world after all. And they're smiling, but inside they're going, why did I do that? What am I doing? And then, like, I'll just be totally honest, I got my kids who are, I mean, my kids are, maybe they're spoiled, maybe they're punks, and they're just going, I can't believe these people brown their little toddlers. <laughs> they're so immature, unlike us and our family. But Disney's the happiest place on earth until you're in it with your toddler and then all that joy is just gone. And all you can think about is not the next ride. It's not the, you know, the Dole Whip float. It's not LeFou's brew. It's not the pictures. It's just, I just want to get back to the room. And I want to put them in the adjoining room. And I want to lock the door. And I want to never open it again. <laughs> because it's fleeting. Right? That joy, it's just, it, it's fleeting. And I got another great example of this. We were, Calvin and I were separated from the girls. We were doing a little experiment because we drove our van. We were going to see which is faster to get back to the resort, the bus or if we get back into our van and drive back. But to get back to our van, we got to take the monorail to a place, and then we got to get on this little people mover to get to the van. And so we were on this long, like, it's like a, a train almost, but it's vehicle train. And we're all in it just getting driven to our vans or our cars in the parking lot. And Calvin and I are, are in this, you know, vehicle. And it's driving and it gets out to the parking lot. And it's like 1030 at night. Like the day is over. Everyone's tired. They've had a great day of rides. The day is over. And we, we kind of pull up into the parking lot. And, and we stop. It's not our lot. So we're waiting in the car. And they stop to let people out. And up ahead, because we're fairly close to the front. And up ahead, you see this guy walking out of the parking lot, and he is storming. And his chest is puffed out. And you can, you know how you can tell, like, when someone's really mad? Like, I just a vibe, this guy was really mad. <laughs> and so he's walking up, and he just puffs up, and it's right up to the front, front of that, that bus where the driver is. And Calvin and I just like, I'm like, Calvin, watch this. Something's going to happen. I don't know. And the guy just starts cussing and screaming and he's like this is unbelievable i can't believe that this is on it and f this and a. and just he's yelling letters just letters that start words that I, you know i don't even say but he's just screaming swear words and everyone in the people movers just looking out going oh my word and he's loud and he's yelling, and, and then you hear, like, there's two guys in the bus. There's a guy at the front of the people mover, and there's a guy at the back. The guy at the front just drives. The guy at the back is the guy who talks in the microphone. And, and you hear this yelling, 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 and then the guy at the back, he's like, uh, excuse me, sir, will you please step behind the yellow line? And the guy in the front, he cuts in immediately. He's like, uh, excuse, uh, actually, he's got a problem. He's going to need to come talk to you. And so the guy's like, unbelievable! And you see him just stomp past everyone, and he's... And he's just smoke coming out of his ear. I don't even know what his problem was. But all I remember thinking was this. Dude, if you are this ticked at Disney World, what are you like in your real life? But here's the thing. The happiest place on earth cannot prevent you from having such a bad day that you just have to scream at someone. Because that joy, those good feelings, those things are fleeting. And I'll just tell them myself, I'm walking around the park and I'm like having the, the most joyful experience ever. I'm loving it until I get a blister on my foot. And then I'm like, I want to punch Mickey in the face for not putting these rides closer together. What were they thinking? Our circumstances can sometimes mess 
with our happiness, so the experience of joy that, we are, that we're feeling in our lives. And, and as I was walking around Disney World, and I knew I was going to be talking about this today. I was, I was reflecting on joy. I, I was thinking about this. I kind of came to this first reflection, this first conclusion on joy, and that's this. Joy is separate from our circumstances. True joy is something that is separate from our circumstances. This is how James wrote about it in James chapter 1, verse 2. He says this, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. And you're like, James, you don't have a two-year-old who's screaming in your ear while you're pushing a stroll around Disney and you have no room to maneuver and you just want to just park them somewhere and walk away. Someone will adopt them. I'm sure someone will take them. James, you don't know. Consider it pure joy when troubles come your way. This is what that means. That means this is that we can, we can be joyful even when we are in times of trouble. We can experience joy even when things are not going all right. We can have joy when nothing is lined up the way we want it to. This is crazy too. James is, chronologically, it is the oldest letter, the oldest book that was written in the New Testament, okay? So what that means, chronologically, that means James wrote these words before the Gospels were written, before any, and Paul wrote any of his letters, before anything else was in, written in the New Testament. James wrote this. That means the very first thing that was ever put into writing in the New Testament, the first thing that was spoken to us was this. When you face troubles, consider it an opportunity for joy. Because joy is separate from our circumstances. True joy is not dependent on the good things that are happening, and it's not dependent on the bad things that are happening to us. And, and here's the thing. You know this. Because you bought that house, and it felt great for a second, but then the joy went away. You still got the house. You still got the car. You're still dating the guy. But the rush, the joy that you experienced when you got it, I mean, it's just not there anymore. You got the raise, and it was incredible. It was joyful. It was exciting. You know, you accomplished your weight goal. You ran the marathon, and you were there. But now you're here. Because joy is not dependent on our circumstances, and the good things that happen to us in our lives can't sustain it. But it also means that the bad things that happen in our lives can't take it away when it's true joy. Think about this from the first century church Christian perspective, okay? Think about it from like the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, he was beaten for his faith. He was tortured. He was arrested. The Apostle Paul was in prison for years, like cavity search prison, okay? Paul was in prison for years. And you know what Paul wrote from prison? Check this out. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This is something he wrote from a prison cell. He says, always be joyful. I'm like, well, I mean, Paul, that's the goal, Right, The goal is, is to always be joyful. I want that. I want to pursue that. I want to get everything lined up so that I can always be joyful. I can always have everything I want and all the good things are happening. I want to always be happy. I want to always be fulfilled. But let's look at this. It's three words, but look at what Paul really says. He says this, be joyful. What is that? That's a directive. Like That's like, do this. That's not passive. It's not something that happens to us. It's something that, that we actually do. Be joyful. What else? What other word is in there? Always. When are we to be joyful? Always. 
Are we to be joyful when we're walking into Disney World and we get that first picture and it's like the magic that's ahead of us? Who knows what it could possibly be? Absolutely, we're supposed to be joyful then. Are we supposed to be joyful when the blister has popped on the bottom of your foot and your sock is soaked with whatever was inside that blister and every step hurts? Yeah. Always be joyful. So the first thing we, we, I, learned, I reflected on joy is this. Joy is not dependent on our circumstances. And the second one is this, that joy... It's a choice, not a feeling. Joy is a choice that we make, and it's not a feeling that we experience. This is, it's not an experience, it's a command. Always be joyful. It goes beyond being happy or sad, because always is happy or sad, right? When I'm happy, that's always. I'm going to be joyful. When I'm sad, that's also always. I'm going to be joyful because it's not based on my emotions. It's not a feeling. It's a decision and a choice that we make. And like more than, more than that, if you're a follower of Jesus, I mean, if you're a follower of Jesus and you believe that Paul wrote these words and he was inspired by God to write these words to us and he wrote them down in the New Testament and the New Testament is our guidebook for living life the way that Jesus wanted to, if you believe that, then this is a command from God. This is a thus saith the Lord. This is like an 11th commandment. If you're a follower of Jesus, always be joyful. It's not negotiable. But did you ever know a Christian who was a jerk, <laughs> who's always sour, always complaining, always critical, always down in the dumps, you know, the Eeyore sitting in your row. Yeah, I mean, service was good, but I spilled my coffee, and they didn't have donuts today, and that's, you know, well. You guys are laughing because it's like, it's the person sitting next to me. And I can't laugh too hard because they'll know. <laughs> they'll know. You ever know what the Christian jerk? Like that person, that's not how it was supposed to be. That's not how God intended for them to live their life. And I, I keep saying them. How about I say this? That's not how God intended for you to live your life because you might be that Christian jerk, okay? Let's be honest. You might be that person with the sour expression on your face who everyone knows whenever they get around you, all they're going to hear about is all that's going wrong in your life, all that's going bad, all that other people are doing that, that hurts you. That, you know, you might be that person. And if you are, guess what? Obedience is following God's commands. So what is it to not follow God's commands? If you're a follower of Jesus, you might be walking in disobedience if you are not living a life of joy, right? Paul said, always be joyful. And I'm going to go out on a limb. If Paul said to always be joyful, it's in the Bible. We believe the Bible is God's word. If we're not doing that, it's disobedience, that's why we say around here, it's one of our core values. If you haven't heard this, maybe you're new to Compass. One of our core values, it, it guides how we live, it guides decisions, is that church should be fun. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Not the guilt of our sin is our strength. The joy of the Lord. So we believe that everything we do should be filled with life, should be filled with joy, should be filled with fun, because that's, that's who God is, and that's how he commanded us and wants us to live. Shouldn't people who follow Jesus be like Jesus? Shouldn't they be fun like Jesus? Shouldn't they be 
joyful like Jesus? Shouldn't they be attractive the way Jesus was? And I'm not talking about good looks because someone's going to go bald eventually. Okay, it's going to happen. I'm talking about attractive that people want to just be around you the way that they wanted to be around Jesus because Jesus was joyful. Shouldn't people who follow Jesus be like that? Not grumpy, complaining, jerks. Always be joyful. And here's the thing. Choose joy because it's a choice. It's not a feeling. This is what Proverbs 10, 28 says, that the prospect of the righteous is joy. You know what a prospect is? What is a prospector? A prospector was someone who would go dig up gold. You know, they'd mine for gold or minerals, whatever. And their prospect was what they dug out. The prospect of the righteous is joy. That means this. It's something that that we dig for. It's something that we mine. And, and it means this. It's just another reflection on joy. That joy is something that we cultivate. It's something we search for. It's something we develop in our lives. Joy is not dependent on our circumstances. Joy is not a feeling. It's a choice. And joy is something that we cultivate, that we develop, that we mine, that we dig up like gold. And so today, just as I wrap up, I want to ask this question. How do we cultivate that? It's a command. It's, a, it's not a choice. Or it's not a feeling. It's a choice. How do, we, how do we find joy? You know, even when my circumstances are rough, even when I'm sad, even when I'm depressed, even when everything looks like it should be going great in my life, but for some reason I just still feel empty. How do I do it? How do I mine and prospect? Come on, baby. Check, check. There it is. How do I do that? This is what Jesus says in John 15. This is, what, this is Jesus saying this, okay? This is how it's done. John 15, 4, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. And then he says this, I've told you these things. I've told you to remain in me. I've told you to stay close to me. I've told you to concentrate on being fruitful through me so that you may be filled with what? My joy. And when you do that, what happens? Your joy will overflow. How do we cultivate? How do we mine joy? In our lives, how do we prospect for it and obey the command to always be joyful? We remain in Jesus. We remain in Jesus. Our relationship with him is what cultivates it. What happens when you put down roots down into Jesus and you remain there? What happens when the branch of your life remains grafted into his? Fruit starts to grow. The fruit of joy begins to to grow in your life. And it's joy that can't be taken away. It's joy that overflows in your life. It's, It's like banana fruit and papaya fruit and all those other fun fruits, not even the boring ones, not like apples, you know, it's like papayas. It's, it's, it's fun fruit, it's joy fruit will grow in your life when, when you remain in Jesus. Jesus is the source of joy. Jesus is the sustainer of joy. Jesus is the cultivator of joy in your life. It's not your things. It's not your stuff. It's not your career. It's not your kids. It's not your house. It's not your car. It's not your boyfriend. It's not your girlfriend. It's not your your weight. It's not your fitness. It's none of those things. Those things will make you feel good sometimes, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the sustainer of true joy in your life always is Jesus. Happy, sad, Jesus. He will bring and sustain joy in your life. When we left Disney, okay, we're driving out of the resort, and like, I'll, I'll tell myself, this wasn't in my notes, I hope I don't go long, but like, the last night we're driving away from the Magic Kingdom, and I'm sitting in the bus, and it's all dark, and our kids are sitting all there, packed in a corner together, and there's this grandma sitting with her like 
that two-year-old baby. And, and at this point, the two-year-old's being really good, and the grandma's bouncing the baby on her lap, and this little baby's just laughing and just giggling, and she's kind of singing along. And I looked at that baby, and then I looked at my kids, and all I saw in my kids was that baby when they were that. And I just, I started bawling. I'm just like, oh, and, and I'm holding on to the rail, and I'm doing this thing. So no one can see. It's like my sleeves are soaked with snot and water that's salty. But it's dark, so no one can see it, right? So I'm totally good. People are just think, man, that guy's tired. He's got allergies. His eyes are itchy. And I was just like, oh, we're leaving this place, and I don't know if we're going to be able to come back before our kids are grown up and graduate high school and leave the house. And this may be the last time that we do it all together, whether we won't go with us. And, and just all these, like, feelings of, like, leaving. And so when we left the park, we're driving away in our van. Like, what did we do? We got on my phone, and we turned on a Disney music playlist. And for the first hour of leaving the park, we're just driving through southern Florida. And we're just listening to dumb Disney music from, you know, movies. And we decided, we decided as a family, you know what we're going to do? We're going we're gonna to have a Disney movie nights for the, you know, the next six weeks. And we're just going to watch all the movies that we should have watched up to this. And, like, last night we watched Hercules, which is, like, meh. But, like, still, it's, like, Disney meh. And so we, we watched it together as a family because we want, that, we want that vacation feeling to stay with us, right? We want it to go with us. We want to sustain it and to feel it. And so we've made a decision. We're going to cultivate that in our lives. And if we're willing to listen to Disney music and watch meh Disney movies on a Saturday night to feel out, to cultivate that sense of joy, how much more should we be willing to cultivate our relationship with Jesus so that we can experience the joy that passes all understanding, a joy that doesn't end, a joy that's not based on our circumstances, a joy that's more than a feeling. And so today, just as I wrap up and close, I want to ask you, what are the choices that you are making? What are the decisions that you are making in your life to cultivate joy? How, look at what Jesus said. How do we choose joy? How do we cultivate it? He says, remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. We, we follow him. We stick close to him. We obey him. We follow the life that he's called us to live. And so today, let me ask you this. What big changes can you make to begin to cultivate, to experience, and develop joy, to make the choice to choose joy in your life. Just let me give you a couple, a couple things you can change. One is you can change how you think. You can change the thought in your mind. You can begin thinking that joy matters. Joy matters. Not just feeling good matters, not just not feeling depressed or down matters, but joy, having it in your life, it matters. It's important. It's something that God wants us to have, and it matters that we have it in every single circumstance. So when the new baby is born, we have joy. And when the cancer diagnosis happens, we have joy. Because we've remained in Jesus, and joy is not based on our circumstances. It's not a feeling. It's a choice, and it's something that we carry with us and we cultivate. Change how we think. Joy matters. We change how our thinks, how we think by recognizing this, that joy is found and developed only in a close relationship with Jesus. And when you change how you think about joy, knowing that it can only be mined, that it can only be found, it can only be dug up in a relationship with Jesus, you're going to stop trying to mine for it in other areas of your life. Yes, the good things of life may make us happy. The advancements in life make us happy. The better and brighter things in life make us happy. But you can't mine for joy there. 
There's no gold in them, their hills. It's only found in Jesus. And if you can change your mindset to recognize this, that the joy that's at the center of my life, if I want to live a life that's different than everyone else, it won't come from advancing in my career. It won't come from the amount of money I have. It won't come from the car that I drive, the person that I'm dating. It won't come from how well-dressed my children are. It, will, it can't be mined in those places. It's only mined in our relationship with Jesus. And then finally, the last change, what can you do? We talked about this. Do the things that will put roots down into your relationship with Jesus. Do those things. Come on Sunday mornings. Worship God. Listen to his word. Spend time, a little time with Jesus every day. Get, get the Bible app, the YouVersion app. Just get a reading plan. And just every day make a decision that you're going to do a thing that's going to develop your relationship with Jesus. Join a small group. Group. You were designed to be in a group, in a community with other people. If you're not in a group, then I can tell you this. You are missing out on one of the key things that you were designed to do to be close to Jesus. And if you're sitting there wondering, like, man, I feel so distant from God. I feel so empty, even though every other part of my life is going great. Well, who are you surrounded by? Who are you sharing your life with? Who are you pouring out your soul to? Get in a group. Put yourself in environments where you can be closer to Jesus. Put your kids in environments where they can be closer to Jesus. You can be different. Your life can be different. It does not have to be the same as everyone else. And not only that, your life doesn't have to be the same as it is right now because you might be in one of those places where emptiness is your best friend. And your bank account is full and your house is awesome and everything on your social media looks like you are living the best life ever. But you are empty. And you know why you are empty? Because you haven't remained in Jesus. And he's there, he's saying, listen, I've got joy for you and it's joy that will literally overflow your life and it will spill out and it'll make a mess on the carpet but you don't got to worry about that because that's okay I'll clean up the carpet I will pour joy into you that will overflow in your life God wants you to choose joy because God wants you to live a life that is different different than other people and different than what it is even right now and you can live a different life if you choose joy let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the plan that you have for us. And I thank you that that plan is not a plan of, of sorrow, of regret, of, of being down, of being the Christian holier-than-thou jerks. God, that none of that is your plan for us. Your plan for us is to walk in your joy, to be people who are full of joy and full of life in every circumstance that we face. And that we're as attractive to the world as a light bulb is to a moth because that's what Jesus was like. I thank you, God, that that's your plan for us. And knowing that, God, I still know this, that there are followers of yours in this room who feel empty. And Lord, for whatever reason, they stopped remaining in you and they stopped bearing fruit of your spirit. And I pray, Jesus, with them and for them that you would... You would encourage them and help them to put down roots into you, that you would graft them more firmly, more strongly into the branch of Christ, and that the fruit of joy would begin to burst out of their life, not dependent on the good things in their life or not dependent on the bad things in their life, God, but completely dependent on the Jesus in their life. And I pray, God, for those who are not followers of Jesus who are here in this room, God, for anyone who, maybe they're not a church person, not a Bible person, Lord, where they're here today and, and joy is what they desperately want and desperately need in their lives. Father, I pray, God, that in this moment that you would help them to choose joy by helping them to choose Jesus.
And God, I pray with them. God, I pray, God, that you just forgive me of all of my past, all the junk, all the sin, all the gross decisions I've made, all my mistakes, all my regrets, all the things that I can't seem to put down, all the things that weigh down the, the you know, the balloon of joy that I want to see lifted up in my life. I pray that you remove those barriers and those, those boundaries and those hurdles in our lives. And as we submit our lives to you, God, I pray that you'd fill us with the joy that only comes from Jesus. And I thank you, and I love you, and I pray all of this in your awesome and holy name. Amen. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.